What's up, everyone? You are listening to the Jelly Cards Podcast, where we take you on a journey through the sports card hobby. And don't think we are excluding any of you TCG hobbyists, because we at Jelly grew up collecting both Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Each episode, we discuss various topics related to the hobby, while giving you frequent market updates for players both in-season and off-season. You can listen to all our episodes on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you are ready, we are ready. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this new episode from the Jelly Card Boys. All right. Welcome back to the Jelly Cards Podcast, where John and I are spreading the love of the hobby. This is episode 35. You can listen to all our episodes on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you are enjoying these topics, please give us a follow and a rating on both Spotify and Apple. John, this has to be probably one of my most favorite times of the year. (laughs) And also possibly one of my favorite topics that we talk about. Oh, boy. And that is the MLB Hall of Fame voting. I don't know what it is about when players get enshrined into Cooperstown that I'm like a little kid on Christmas just getting all giddy. (laughs) (laughs) I Yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, I I think it's because now that, like, now is the uh, time where players that we grew up watching like players that we watched as a kid yeah. now that they're the ones that are making it into the voting. It's like, it's more exciting to me now. I agree because it's like, wow. Like I, I got to see these players like, you know, become legends of the sport. And now it's just like, and now, you know, because of a jelly cards and I have this bigger passion for baseball than I did before. It's like, now I'm like, I get I'm like pissed when I, you know, Todd Helton <laughs> didn't make it last year. I was furious. Me too. Absolutely furious that Todd Helton didn't get into the uh, Hall of Fame last year. So for me, this is, yeah, I, I love it. And I love the debates. Like I love just like listening to the debate talks about why, you know, they think this person should get in, but that person doesn't think so and vice versa. It's, it's fun. It's a fun time to watch, you know, MLB Network and yeah. If you agree to it, or I might be the only one. No, completely agree. And maybe not as excited as you are, but everything you said, I reiterate. It's cool to see players that we grew up watching get voted on and maybe make it to Cooperstown. So, yeah, it's awesome. I'm happy that you're happy. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So, so my biggest question for this this episode is, you know, because we like to, like we say, we like to tie in everything to the, you know, to the sports card world. And so my topic of conversation was going to be the 2024 MLB Hall of Fame. Are you buying or selling? So, you know, we kind of try to relate everything to, well, when's the best time to sell your cards or when's a good time to buy cards? So we could start off by this and I can ask you, if you have any of these players, before we even get into the players who might get inducted in this year, if you had any of these players, is it, are you are you selling your cards right now or are you buying more of them? So for me, when it comes to um, it's it's kind of a twisted answer now that I'm thinking about it. If I'm in it as a quote unquote investor slash business decision, 
I think now is the time to sell those cards. But yeah, what kind of is a little bit twisted about this is that me, the baseball card collector and lover of baseball, wanting to just kind of build my Hall of Fame rookie card collection. Now that it's getting closer and closer and I'm doing all this research for this gosh dang podcast and I'm looking at players' numbers, it's made me want to buy some rookie cards of players so I can have their Hall of Fame rookie cards in my collection. But yeah, if if we're talking about what the best move is in terms of trying to make the most money on your card, I think now is the time to sell the card to a crazy collector like like me. But what are you thinking? How do you feel about is now the time to buy, sell, or even hold? We didn't really talk about that. If you have some cards you want to hold and maybe sell when they make the announcement. So that's actually, I almost kind of think that that's a better way to word it or a better way to title it. More so of like, you know, talking about the Hall of Fame, but is it is it more of like a, a collection or an invest or investment card? Mm-hmm. You know, that's actually a better way to look at it. Like, are you this time around, like, are you hearing about all this Hall of Fame talk? Are you hearing about the players accolades and buying them in, in the sense that, oh, I think I can sell it when the votes come out? Or like you said, oh, I, I have to have this card now for my own collection because I didn't realize how great this player was. Yeah. You know, and that's like how, how I am with Todd Helton. You know, we talked um, – so when we talk about the players, um, me personally, I'm not going to talk about any of the ones that we spoke about last episode. I'm uh, mainly going to be talking about the newcomers that are on the list. But for me, you know, Todd Helton, like ever since – I was always a big fan of Todd Helton. You know, I love the fact that, you know, played his entire uh, career with Colorado. But as the Hall of Fame talk, you know, as he made it onto the ballots, it – made me love him even more as a, as a player. And now it's like, he's, he's one of the rookie cards that I, I need to have. And I almost want to buy it in a 10, even though tens are just, they're a little pricey, not crazy, but they're, they're pricier than what I would typically buy for a PC collection card. Mm -hmm. But I'm almost just telling myself like, why don't you like, cause I don't want just a PSA nine. Or a yeah. PSA. Like we went to a baseline that one time and they had the PSA eight, Todd mm-hmm. Helton Tops card. And it's like for and it was they had it for twenty bucks. Yeah, I could have had the card and I could have got it for twenty. But is that the grade I want for the like the for my PC? Exactly. Now if I sent it in and got it graded because I bought it raw, then that's one thing. But if I'm a buy it in a slab, I'm almost kind of thinking like maybe I should just spend the money and get it in a ten, but yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it's uh, it's 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 an interesting thought to now be like, well, it, are they more investment cards? Or are they more just people that are buying them for their own PC collections? And yeah, that's a that's a great way to to look at it. Yeah, uh, what you just said about the Helton card too. I feel like you're not alone in that uh, in that mentality because that's how I operate now. Back when I, for, uh, it's kind of. Dang, Jason, you're going to make us get deep and emotional. <laughs> Back when I first started collecting and I was buying up rookie cards of Hall of Fame players, I never really cared at all about the the grade because we, we used to go to Ball Martin Edison. Now I'd look at, in the cases and look at rookie cards of Hall of Fame players. I didn't care. I just wanted the player in my collection. But now that I'm older and have adult money and work a job and all that, 
when I look through my collection now, I think to myself that, wow, this card is in horrible condition. I want this card to be in my collection with a better grade. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want a PSA 2 of like a Burt Blylevin rookie. Like, I don't want that. I want, a, I want a higher grade. I want a higher grade of a George Brett rookie. I want a higher yeah. grade of all these Hall of Fame players so that the collection is pristine. And it's obviously based on how much you could afford because, yeah, the higher you Absolutely. get, yep. it gets really crazy. But I operate that same way. Same thing. Like if I I should, uh, now you're going to make me want to buy a health and rookie. When, if and or when I buy a health and rookie. I agree with you. I'd rather have it in the 10. Like what am I, I'm going to spend, I don't know how much for a 9 when I could get the 10 for maybe a few couple tens of more so dollars. I think tens are like push, they're probably, I think they're around like 200 Dang, that... I think that's where tens are. I think nines are sub 100, but that's why I was looking at 9.5s for the BGS, and I'm so upset with myself that I watched that I stopped watching those two that went for 50 and 51. BGS 9.5 to me for my collection, I think is still okay. Yeah, uh, we because talked about that too. Yeah, because it is gem mint, and when you're talking about these older cards and these players who are from you know the late 90s early 2000s bgs was the slab mm -hmm. back it was the sl the slab to get so you know uh i've noticed that when when i'm looking even when i'm looking at prospects in baseball anybody prior to like 2020 so anywhere if i'm looking at prospects and they're from and especially from like 2016 to 2019 you don't find too many psa slabs of them a lot of them are Beckett graded yep. and I've been noticing that. And I'm like, well, that's just because the tides have changed and now <laughs> PSA has become the number one grading company, but it was Beckett. So for me, buying a Todd Houghton BGS 9.5 would just, would still be a great card to have in the collection. Or if I can find it in that vintage SGC slab, even better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We talked about that too. When it comes to PC, we want good grades and even if it's not a psa 10 i'd be still super happy with the bgs 9.5 yep. i'm still on the fence about sgc um <laughs> I, I don't know if so that also is kind of twisted from like 50s and earlier like or 60s and earlier those rookie cards and the old sgc slabs are kind of cool i think sgc has a really good reputation for vintage mm -hmm. so i like that but if i'm buying a like a I don't know, an Ichiro rookie or something like that. And as you see, I'd rather get BGS or PSA. But how do you how do you feel about that? Well, for me, for me, it's just like I like, you know, of course, I like SGC and, I, and you know, and if it's from in like the early 2000s, like I said, of, of certain players, um, you know, like my Evan Longoria rookie card is a is a vintage SG, uh, SGC slab. Uh, nice, same yeah. thing, I believe, with my Ian Kinsler rookie card. That's an SGC one. Uh, Pat Burrell. Rookie card, that's an FGC yeah. slab. So for me, that was like kind of was like my like go to. I was trying to find those ones. Just I like the look of it. And I it it makes this card feel a little bit more vintage than modern to me. So oh yeah. Right on. All right, I understand. So, but going into so last year, we can just kind of recap what happened with the 2023 voting last year. Of course, obviously we know the only player to get voted in was Scott uh Roland. 
we kind of disagreed with it, but whatever, it happened. Of course, Fred McGriff got voted in by the players, correct? I think so. So, but then if you look at, so you need, anybody who doesn't know, you need 75% of the vote in order to get into Cooperstown. Todd Helton finished with 72.7%. So in my opinion, I think he's going to get in. He should get in. At 72, he should get in. Yeah, he should. Yeah. Uh, Billy Wagner finished at 68.1%. In my opinion, I think Billy Wagner is going to get enough of the votes. He'll get voted in. Me too. Andrew Jones was at 58.1%. I think he'll be close. I think he'll get probably, maybe he jump, he might jump up another like 10%. So I think he'll be close. Gary Sheffield, I believe this is Sheffield's last year on the ballot, I think. Oh, boy. Yeah, he was at 55%. I don't think he'll get in. He was one of the players that got linked to PEDs. You know, if they voted Gary Sheffield in and didn't vote in all the rest of them, it's going to cause a lot of controversy. Oh, boy. And then Carlos Beltran, who was on his first year la- um, in 2023, he got 46.5. Again, I think he'll probably make the biggest jump, I would assume. I'll bet you he'll jump up like 20%, but I, I don't think he'll get in. But for sure, the returners from last year, I think Todd Helton, Billy Wagner will get in this year. They should get That's in this I year. Too. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit on the fence about Andrew Jones. I feel like Jones might get – He'll uh, get close. I'm, I'm actually thinking he might lose really? a little bit of votes because of the new people on the ballot. Interesting. So is there a, a, um, is there a number of players that you can vote for? Like for a that's voter, ex- <laughs> that's exactly what I was trying to find while we were talking okay. about it, because uh, I think it might be five. That's what I was thinking too. Because I'm, when I'm I look seeing... at when I look at player like when some analysts like show their ballots, I don't like. I think it might be only five people that you can vote up to. Okay. Somebody, somebody had their ballot or like a fake ballot for this year and they didn't mark Todd Helton and I was very upset because <laughs> yeah, they had yeah, Jimmy so... Rollins marked and I was very upset okay yeah that's that would make me upset too so so the people that I had picked who I think who do you who do you think not are we going to talk about the people not returning from last year too what do you mean oh like the ones like that who, yeah who you think will get in or could get in? Do you think anybody will be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Oh, yeah, Adrian Beltre. Okay, that's what I think, so, too. So that's who I wrote yeah, down. So for me, this is this is who I think will for sure get in. Todd Halton, Billy Wagner, Adrian Beltre. So those three, I think, will have three on the for the voting this year. I think those three will for sure get in. Me, personally, I would put Joe Maurer on there, too. But that's just, okay. that's just my own personal opinion. Um. However, I don't think Joe Maurer is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think it will take him like two or three ballots and then he'll get in. I know a lot of people are – a lot of analysts are kind of high on Chase Utley. I, I don't see it, but from what I've been hearing from cer- certain uh, people on like MLB Network, they don't just go from based on stats alone. They go by, based on like impact of the game and impact on the team that they're at. I mean – Listen, from what, 2005 to I think 2010, Chase Utley was like a Hall of Fame type player. He was playing at a super high level. After 2010, though, that dude fell off the face of the earth. So to me, it's just like, I don't, I don't, again, in the words of Eric, Hall of uh, really great, but I don't think he'll get in. 
And then I, I, I have a sleeper on there too. He's a first, uh, he's on his first ballot. He's a sleeper, but we'll get into him a little later though. Okay. Yeah. Everybody that you wrote down is the exact same. That's, uh, I wrote down, I wrote that, um, Todd Helton and Billy Wagner should get in. Mm -hmm. Hopefully I think they will. And then I wrote Beltre as well. Beltre would be a first ballot hall of famer, but I don't think anybody else on the, uh, first year ballot might come close mauer is the only other one yeah but, i think he'll he'll yeah. get a good amount of votes the utley talk is what kind of makes me a little bit uh i don't know suspicious about it yeah utley this is uh tying in what we were just talking about we grew up watching utley play and i always thought he was a great second baseman but looking at his uh numbers and stuff i um holler very good i don't know if he's gonna make it well Let's okay. We could start off with Chase Utley then too, because I, I feel the same way. Because I'm like, if Chase Utley gets voted in, I, the first thing I'm gonna say is, okay, why not Jim Edmonds? Why not Luis <laughs> Gonzalez? Why not Johnny Damon? If hmm. if you're talk if you're talking about Chase Utley being a legend of the sport, should be enshrined into Cooperstown. How are you not looking at 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 the very least? How did you not look at Jim Edmonds? who was one and done. How did you not look at Luis Gonzalez and think Luis Gonzalez was a, for, uh, was a hall of famer or Johnny Damon, who has over 2,700 hits in his career. Mm -hmm. So if you look at Chase Utley, so we, like I said, we could start off with him six time all-star. He was, uh, obviously won the world series in 2008. He was a four time silver slugger. That's his accolades. Yeah. That's what he has. He played 16 years in the bigs. He uh, batted a 275 on base, 358, slugged 465, OPS of 8 point, uh, um, 823. He had 1,885 hits, 259 career home runs, 411 doubles. His What's very surprised me, his career roar is actually a 64.5. I was just going to bring that up. So to me, I'm like, wow, that's actually a pretty high um, – career war in my opinion for chase utley like mm -hmm. I, I don't know where the war numbers were coming from but i think it's yeah keep going um but for def so like you said he was, he was a second baseman so defensive games at second base he's 25th all time with 1743 games played at second base so for the average hall of fame second baseman in career war the average Hall, Hall of Famer at second base is 69.6. So Utley's mm -hmm. sitting at 64.5. So that's lower. However, his uh, his seven-year peak. So the seven-year peak war for second baseman in the Hall of Fame is 44.4. Utley's a 49.3. Mm -hmm. And then his war for uh, average of for the 162-game season. The average war for Hall of Famer uh, at second base is 5.1. Utley's was 5.4. Oh boy! Now you're making me w wonder if he's going to get in even more. But so I'm. My thing is, is well, where where was the war coming from? Because <laughs> he was better than every other second baseman in those years, man. Yeah. So, but like, was second base just like not a? I mean, right. well, when I when I look at it, I mean, for oh, okay, let's talk about the 08 season. I mean, wh who was he really like? You know, fending off Dan Ugla. Exactly. You know, like I mean, Brandon Phillips. I know, but yeah, you can't you can't fault the player for the era. No, that they played I, and in. I don't think so. And I think I, I mean I think that era was a great era of baseball. 
Yeah, but not for second baseman, apparently. No, because, I mean, well, yeah, like Jeff Kent was probably still playing at that time, I would assume. Yeah, tail end of his career. Yeah, yeah. You know, so for for me, yeah, like you said, you know, uh, Hall of Re- really great. But, I mean, what do you think? Like, looking at those – me reading off all those accolades and his career stats, does he sound like a Hall of Famer to you? So, me personally, I don't think so. But now that I'm looking at this stuff even further, based on war, which is what these mm-hmm. voters, I guess, just love religiously, he might sneak in. I think he but might. But he had a good stretch of like seven years. That's why his war is high. But then, I mean, if you look at his tail end of his career, which is more than half, not good. I think he was only. I think he was an All Star only one time after 2010, and even yeah. that season was like mediocre. And it was his last season he played. Uh, with the Phillies before he went to the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. Me personally, he's not. But who the hell knows how these voters decide to vote? Did you look at any uh, Chase Utley rookie cards and see the prices? Yep. I uh, Did you? Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So I think we might be looking at the same one then. Yeah. I'm, I'm shocked. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> so for all you listeners out there, his 2001 – Bowman draft uh, draft picks rookie card in a PSA 10 sold on October 16th. Are you looking at that one? Uh-huh. Sold on October 16th for $690. Exactly. But here's the thing though. That's that was playoff time for the Phillies. So I think <laughs> I think that had a big influence probably on the market because that is playoffs time. Phillies obviously were one of the favorites to go to the World Series again. I think that might have played into it. However, yeah, 690. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that play that that person who sold that cards sitting back pretty if that if that buyer actually paid for it. Doesn't that kind of make you think that the general consensus is that this guy could be a Hall of Fame player? I mean, because that's another question right there. Do the players' card markets reflect on the general public's opinion on Hall of Fame or not? I mean, honestly, that same rookie card that we read off in 690 in a PSA 9 uh, sold on uh, two days, what, three days ago for $87, though, so, which is which to me is actually still pretty high. Yeah, PSA 9 for 87 bucks. Yeah, like if you had yours in a 9 and you sold it, like that's uh, – to me, that's – you know, depending on how much you bought it for – that's a good chunk of money. This might uh, pique your interest as well, Jason. Do you know what the most recent 1993 tops traded Todd Helton PSA 10 sold for? Uh, 200, 210? 117.5. Where the hell was that? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I this, was too busy this... looking at BGS cards. Too busy looking at Bowman Prospect cards. Oh man. Yeah. Wow, so, one seven. I still wouldn't have bought it, but damn, <laughs> one seventeen. This, wow. This Chase Utley is six ninety, and Todd Helton is still one seventeen point five. I'm gonna look at the pop report while we're talking about this, but yeah, now we're we're getting stuck on. Yeah, Utley, but, but here's the thing. At this though, stuff, here's the thing, though. That is that Todd Helton rookie card is not his number one rookie card. You got to get the one with the bazooka logo in it. The bazooka logo bazooka. is in is insane. You know, it's we'll so lay cool. Off, yeah, I love that. What, what is the quote? We'll lay off the uh the good stuff and only stick to bazooka or the hard stuff. What did it say? <laughs> I don't know where's that from. The Sandlot, man, come on. 
Oh, we, we, dang. We laid off the hard stuff and then stuck to Bazooka. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Come on, man. I'm only thinking about Big Chief. That's Big all I'm Chief. thinking about. The best. The best. You chew it, of course. <laughs> yeah, we just recently watched that with uh, with my wife and some friends because none of them had seen it. And I was just quoting the whole oh, movie as it was playing. One of the best baseball I love that movies. Movie, my favorite movie of all time. Right up there with Fever Pitch. <laughs> what? The one with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, I know, but it's a, it's a good movie, yeah. but I don't think no, it's like just, a top yeah. five baseball movie. All right. So, yeah, we're getting off topic here. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, for me, Chase Utley, like I said, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. If he does get in, I'm going to be upset that there's other players that got snubbed out of the uh, Cooperstown that, in my opinion, should have got in. But that's my opinion. You think anybody besides Beltre deserves to – well, obviously, I don't think anyone besides Beltre is going to get in, but are you saying that anyone besides Beltre should get closer than Utley? Uh, Joe Maurer. Okay. Okay. I agree. So while you're, do, while you're looking up the pop report, so I'll go over Joe Maurer. So Because in my opinion, I think Joe – in my opinion, I would put Joe Maurer as a first ballot. I think his impact of the game at the time when he was playing – both at catcher, even at first base, because he actually wasn't a bad first baseman either. He didn't play as many, uh, he didn't have as many um, games played at first, but if you look at his per, um, his def- uh, defensive percentage at first base, he's up there with like the top first baseman. Yeah. Like defensively, Joe Mauro is just great. Absolutely. So in my opinion, I would put him up because his time at catcher, which I think he played what? Like, I think he played like nine years or something at catcher. Okay. I think. Um, he was amazing. Absolutely. One of the best ever to play that, that position. So I agree. Going over Joe Maurer. So, again, he's, he's on his first, uh, first year on the ballot. He was an MVP. I think to me that's like the biggest thing right there. Mm-hmm. MVP at catcher. He was a six-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove winner. Uh, five-time Silver Slugger, and he won the batting title three times. Yeah, he played 15 years in the bigs. Uh, career average of a 306 on base, 388 slugged, 439 OPS, 827. He had 2,123 hits, 143 home runs, 428 doubles. His career WAR is a 55.2. However, wow. his fielding percentage at catcher was um, uh, 0.995, which puts him at ninth overall, all time. That's awesome. So the average Hall of Fame uh, war for a catcher is 53.6. Maurer sits at uh, 55.2. So in my opinion, like I said, I would put him first ballot. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he'll be two or three ballots, but uh, Maurer will be a Hall of Famer. I mean, if you can be a catcher and also bat 364, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'll take that anytime. Me too. I would like because you remember we we grew up getting to watch Joe Maurer play baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when he came into the league, and it was Me like too. one of the greatest things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. One of the best hitters I have I ever got to witness, you know, on TV. I never got to watch him play. Um, I know they, the twins came to Wrigley one time and I really wanted to go, but I didn't. 
Mm-hmm. But he he's one of those players like that I just will always remember as just being amazing to watch all the time. I completely agree. And you're a big and you're why... a big Joe Maurer fan, so I would love to hear what you have to say about it. I am a big Joe Maurer fan. Yeah, everything you said is exactly how I feel. He won his three gold gloves three times, three years in a row. I think the batting think titles was... were three times in a row, wasn't it? I could be uh, wrong. Silver Sluggers three years in a row. Okay, so. Yeah, 2008 All-Star, fourth in MVP, Gold Glove, Silver Slugger. 2009 All-Star, MVP, Gold Glove, Silver Slugger. And then 2010 All-Star, eighth in MVP, Gold Glove, Silver Slugger. So, yeah, he had a three years from 2008 to 2010. He was just basically dominating baseball. What was the he, what was the year that he hit 28 home runs? Was that all That was, yep, MVP year. Yeah, so that was uh, also the year that he competed in the home run derby. Yeah, so I'm a big Jomar fan. I yeah, if I remember correctly, was he one overall? I think he was first. I think overall. he was. What pick was he? Yeah, that was another thing that I was just thinking about the other day. Because who else besides Chipper and Griffey are number one picks in the Hall of Fame? I don't think there's many. Oh, that I don't know. Yeah, so he went one overall, and then the Cubs took Pryor. So Jeez. I was <laughs> yeah, wow. yep. I mean, hey, really, really Mark, depressed. Yeah, but Mark Pryor was. He's also one of oh, your favorite yeah. players. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love Mark Pryor. So, I, I mean, yeah, was... we, we still lucked out by getting Mark Pryor because at the time when he was playing, he was one of the best. Yeah, and there's no way that Minnesota's going to pass up on the Minnesota Joe Maurer kid. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm a big Joe Maurer supporter. I really hope he gets in on first ballot because I would put him in there. But everything you were saying about catcher war and him being, like, one of the best is probably the argument that yeah. I'm going to hear mm-hmm. for – for Chase Utley in second base. Yeah, but, I, don't know. but I, I think also one of the things that they might ding Joe Maurer on is the fact that he wasn't like a Yadier Molina or a Buster Posey where he played catcher his entire career. Exactly. He went from catcher to first base, and then he ended up just DHing at the end. Yeah. That's, so that's I think because that's, of injuries. Yeah. So I think that they'll ding him on that. However, his time played at catcher, he was – the best yeah. at the time when he was playing, there was nobody at that position that was playing better than Joe Ma. Exactly. Like he revamped that position into like, you know, because every, because the notion of catcher was always great defensively, not the, not best offensively. And Joe Mara yeah. was doing both at an elite level. Yeah. So, and if you look at his card market, so if anybody's interested in buying into some Joe Maurer rookie cards or who has Joe Maurer rookie cards, these are good uh, times to start watching the markets. His 2002 Bowman rookie in a PSA 9 sold on November 5th for $66.51. Uh, his 2002 Topps Chrome rookie PSA 10, one sold on October 22nd. Not a lot of people were selling Joe Maurer rookie cards. Um, yeah, October 22nd, yeah. that uh, Topps Chrome rookie PSA 10 sold for 295. Mm-hmm. And then he had a 2002 Topps rookie card PSA 10 uh, sell on October 18th for uh, 191.50. Mm-hmm. And then for any of the uh, CSG fans out there, or what CGC? What are they called? Because uh, I saw I didn't list it, but I remember. I think it's CGC. Yeah, I remember off the top of my head. I think that same tops rookie card sold for ninety nine dollars in a ten. 
Wow. Yeah. So for okay. any of those fans out there who, cause we only ever talk about PSA. <laughs> so, but yeah, but you yeah. have Joe Maurer rookie cards. I do. I have the uh, Topps Chrome rookie. I know you I have, have the Topps uh, Chrome Joe Maurer. Is it graded or no? I don't know if I graded it. I think I did grade it. And it's either, it's not a 10 for sure. I know that. It's either an eight or a nine. But yeah, oh, I God. got that as a, as a gift from my brother. Awesome. Brothers. Yeah, I got that. And then I also got the, uh, I think it's his Bowman's best rookie auto. Uh, I have to look it up to look at it because I know what it looks like. I just don't know what year. Yeah. Yeah, his uh, Bowman's Best Auto in 2002. I got that as well as a gift from my brothers. Because yeah. I'm a big Joe Maurer fan, obviously, like you know. And I think he's a great player, great athlete, just overall cool, great person. So I mean, I hope he gets yeah. in. When I, when I think about players who who I was able to see and watch on TV, instantly, I mean, while I was watching him play, I was like, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Like it, when I think about MLB Hall of Fame and and if like I would put him in the um, the Hall of Fame conversation every single time. Yeah. He is a Hall of Famer in my opinion. That's the eye test that we always talk yeah, about. Yeah, that yes. He he had he had everything you needed to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and he backed it up with his stats too. Yep. So so however, again, yeah, I don't know if he'll get in on the first ballot. I think he'll probably get He'll definitely, I think, get above fifty percent on his yeah, first year. He absolutely yeah. should. You know, t- you know, Todd Hulton on his first year only had like seventy percent or something like that. That's what I'm saying, man. I that's why I'm nervous every year because all these new people come in and then the dumb voters who vote on things, they're just like, oh wow, look at this new name. I'll I'll check that one instead. Who cares about Todd Hulton when I could pick Chase Utley or Joe Maurer? Yeah. So I'm nervous, but I'm excited. However, I do think like we both agree on, there is a for sure, 100%. He is going to be first battle hall of famer. And that is Adrian Beltre without a doubt. If, if he does not get inducted in on this time around all like you say, all those voters should lose their jobs. Yeah, if that's absolutely, job, you know, they should yeah. be taken off the committee to be able to vote. Completely agree. Because Adrian Beltre, absolutely insane. Yeah. He was a four-time All-Star, five-time Gold Glove winner, four-time Silver Slugger, two-time Platinum Glove winner. Mm-hmm. He played 21 years in the big. So, again, if you look at all these – like if we talk about Joe Maurer, 15 years, Chase Utley, 16 years – uh, Helton, I think, was 17 years. So 21 years, that's a long time to be playing baseball. And, yeah. and for Beltre, he got better as he got older, which is insane. Yeah. So 21 years in the bigs, he batted a 286 on base, three, uh, 339, slugged 480. His OPS is a, a 819. He had 3,166 hits. That's all you got to say for him to be a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Yeah, that's awesome. Here's a here's a big one: six hundred and thirty six doubles, <laughs> four hundred and seventy seven home runs, one thousand seven hundred and seven RBIs, and his career WAR ninety three point five. Hall of Famer, no doubt. So, if you break it down, so I'm a 
I'm gonna break down some of his uh, some of his stats here. So his defensive WAR, which is a 27, puts him 15th all time. Games played was 2,933, 15th all time. Hits 3,166, 18th all time. Total bases 5,309, 15th all time. Doubles 636, 11th all time. Extra base hits. 1,151, 15th all-time. Games played at third base, 2,759, second all-time to Brooks Robinson, who's first. Mm -hmm. The average career war of a Hall of Fame third baseman is 68.4. Beltre is fourth in war at that position with 93.5. Yes. Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? If he's not, we have serious problems. Is he not the second best third baseman to ever play the game? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's take it easy. Let's not get crazy. Uh, who's, who is uh, uh, Brooks Robinson, number one? Uh, defensively, yeah, absolutely. Who's, who's, over... be- who, who's better than, oh, than Adrian Beltre at third base? Mike Schmidt, for sure. Uh, people will argue Brett, but probably not George Brett, but Mike Schmidt, Eddie Matthews. Brooks, but you're talking. Chipper. But you're talking. But here's the thing: games played at at third base. He's played. He has the second most games played at third base, only behind Brooks Robinson. He's got more games played at that position than than both uh, than those other players. I know, but still, we're talking about like best third baseman ever. Would you take what Beltro about Sean, what about Sean Figgins? <laughs> <laughs> Aramis Ramirez. Uh, uh, he's so. Yeah, he's fourth in third base war, and he's 40th all time in war, which is crazy. Yeah, just I have no, I have nothing else to pitch to these voters. And if they don't put him in on first ballot, they like 100. percent They need to lose their rights to vote. They're you're done. You can't vote anymore because clearly you don't know what you're voting for. <laughs> it's it's exciting when you when you have players like Beltre. Obviously, we're gonna see it with Miggy. Uh, we're going to see it with Pujols, Ichiro, players that you just is like, oh, my God, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, yeah. And it's exciting because you're just like – because then this is when you get the bask in the glory of looking <laughs> up their stats and like really breaking it down and going, holy crap. Like this <laughs> guy was amazing. Yeah. You know, so – yeah, I think it's without a doubt Adrian Belche. It's like you, you we don't even have to like go into it because it should be the easiest vote on the he'll probably get obviously a higher percentage than Todd Halton. Dang. You know. Yeah. He he should he should get like 90 over 90% of the vote. Yeah, I completely agree. And I was actually I was wrong about third base. He's third in war. He's fourth in jaws. Oh, okay, that's okay, yeah. Fourth, yeah. But still, yeah, I'm looking at Wade Boggs, man. Oh, you forgot about Wade Boggs too, Chicken Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, still, I'm, I don't know. I still look at I, – I look at Adrian Belche because defensively he was amazing and offensively he was amazing. And yeah. because, like I said, his numbers just got better. Yeah, he's like, so good. Usually, usually players taper off. He was getting better as he kept playing. You're right. Like, I think yeah. some of his best years was when he was in Texas. Yeah, exactly. Better than his years in, uh, in Seattle. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when he got to Texas, things just went really, really well. Yeah. Who was the um gosh dang it, I just had his his name in my head. But there was another third baseman on who Oh, maybe he was the short who's the shortstop for Texas? Because when when we were talking about this stuff. Yeah, Michael Young. I, yeah. Okay. Good job, Jason. Every time I did my fantasy baseball drafts, I tried to get Beltre or Young because I thought that they were so great and it was so fun watching them play and their stats were great. Well, Michael Young was, I mean, he was, I think he was on a ballot. I think one of these, I think he was one and done. Yeah. For some reason, he was one of my favorite players because I played fantasy baseball so much when I was, when I was younger and it probably, probably when fantasy baseball first started, I liked having Michael Young on my team because I always had trouble finding a good shortstop in later rounds, and Michael Young was my guy. Yeah. But sorry, way off topic. Yeah, in Texas, I think he didn't become an all-star until he left Seattle. Did you know that? Yeah, I think that's why I said like his best years was once he got to Texas, then it was insane what happened to him. Yeah. Like, just he became nuts. this amazing baseball player, and like for to for him to have these stats. And yeah, like, you know, maybe even like halfway through his career was when he really just jump started, you know? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I'm trying to like, uh, I'm trying to do a thing here now on. And I believe too, uh, I believe too, this is Ian Kinsler's first year on the ballot too. That's your boy, Mr. Kinsler rookie over there. That's right. I loved Ian Kinsler, especially when he played for Texas. That was like, I loved watching him play. I would watch his highlights all the time. Why? I uh, just like his home run highlights. I just, he had like one of the sweetest swings in baseball, in my opinion. Like Man. I loved his swing, so I loved just like. And then I loved hearing the Texas Rangers music when they hit home runs. Mm-hmm. Then so I would just watch his home run videos all the time. Did you know that uh, Ian Ian Kinsler's uh, Jaws, which is like the, it's a combination of career and seven year peak war, is higher than Jeff Kent's. Really. No. Yeah, yeah. His is forty six point one. Kent is forty five point six, and wow. his uh, Kent's WAR is fifty five point five. Kinsers is fifty four point one. It's even higher than Altuve's, which was not what I was expecting, honestly. And I know Altuve's still got maybe a, how many? How long has he been in the league? Two thousand eleven. Well, Altuve, I think yeah. twenty. I think twenty ten or some twenty oh nine, yeah. twenty ten, somewhere around there. Dang, he's yeah. I was. I'm shocked. I thought Altuve's uh, WAR and uh, Jaws would be a lot higher because who's currently like the top second baseman in baseball? Is it not Altuve? Yeah, I, I would put it at Altuve. Yeah. How is his WAR not higher than it is? He's he, in my opinion, would be the only. And I know we <clears> talked <throat> about this the last time, but he's the only player, in my opinion, who who has any shot of getting three thousand hits. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Because I don't think, because I just think the game of baseball has changed tremendously to the point where we might not ever see another three thousand hitter, yeah, which is sad. Which is yeah. so sad. So yeah, I agree. Back to <clears throat> Beltre. Oh, what we were talking about in Texas. I did a thing on uh, Baseball Reference where you can kind of highlight each year mm-hmm. and all of his years in Texas. In uh, average per one hundred sixty-two games, he averaged twenty-nine homers, one hundred and three RBIs, only eighty-four strikeouts a season. Yeah, average of three hundred five on base, three fifty seven, slugged five hundred nine. So, it's nuts, man. I have no idea. He's got to. We got to figure out what he was doing, and put everybody on that same training regimen because everybody sometimes else we've just, talked about. Yeah, and sometimes it just happens like that. I mean, look at Jose Batista. Yeah. Once he left Pittsburgh, he became a completely different hitter. Yeah. 
When he was at yeah. Pittsburgh, his highest uh, home run um, season was 16. He yeah. hit 54 with Blue Jays. That's nuts. And man, you just you find a different something me, clicks. Yeah. You get with a different coaching staff that they just see something that you were doing wrong somewhere else. And next thing you know, because, I mean, I'm telling you, Jose Batista had one of the ugliest batting stances in Pittsburgh. He came over to the Blue Jays. That thing completely changed. And next thing you know, he's hitting 40, uh, 54 home runs. Yeah. You know, God. so. I'm looking at, uh, so tying it into the cards market. Have you been keeping up with uh, some of Beltre's rookie cards? Yeah, his – um. I wrote down his uh, 1997 Bowman's Best rookie in a PSA mm-hmm. 10. Uh, sold on November 23rd for $135.50. Yep. His uh, 1997 Bowman Chrome in a PSA 9 uh, sold on November 18th for 68 And then his 1997 Bowman Chrome in a PSA 10 sold on November 13th for 290 Dang. Okay. Yeah, I've um, – so – Really quick, the Chase Utley card, the rookie card that we were talking about, his uh, Bowman draft picks, PSA 10, pop report, 149. There's only 149 PSA 10 Chase Utley Bowman rookies. But, but even so, like every card you just read for Beltre is not as expensive as this freaking Bowman draft pick 690. That has that 690 has to be an outlier. I have no I, idea. That has to just been a, uh, oh my God, it's playoff baseball, you know, Phillies, like – you remember this guy, Chase Utley? You know, <laughs> the PSA price guide value, which is not really anything you should ever look at. But they said that they value it at 350 Yeah. And uh, so back to Beltre, when I was looking at his cards for the card market, this kind of ties into the very first question that we talked about. If you go back, his 1997 Bowman's Best Rookie in a PSA 10 on October 16th sold for $81. on October 16th, but now recently, on November 23rd, which is the one that I wrote down, it sold for 135.5. Yeah. So So in a matter of a month, Mm -hmm. one month, you almost doubled your money. You made at least 50%. It went from 81.01 to 135.5, $54 increase. So there's that. And then also the, uh, the 1997 Bowman Chrome PSA 10 rookie. On September 14th, that was at 265 $265. And then the most recent one that I saw, I went to 130 point. Someone bought it now for 330 Oh, wow. So again, like just this, this is what ties into almost every other episode. This, yeah, the Baseball Hall of Fame ballot is awesome and fun and it's exciting. But once this stuff starts coming around and the media and hype, like – gets involved and starts pumping these players and talking about their careers immediately collectors and investors jump to eBay and are like, Hey, I need this card in my collection or I need to invest in this card because once they make the announcement that they're a hall of famer, I can either sell it for more or my PC value suddenly becomes more expensive. Well, so for, so let me ask you this question then. Would you buy into a $330 Adrian Beltre rookie card? just to keep in your own personal collection or would you be buying into that card hoping that you can sell it when he gets inducted i would be buying it to keep in my collection me john the card collector but if uh if i answer it as an investor do i think it's going to go up from 330 to any other number higher than that when they they announced it in january right they 
something like that. Yeah, and then they don't. The ceremony is not until July. Right. Okay. When they make the announcement in January, I do think that that card is going to go up. That's I don't know, but, but that's is just it my worth, opinion. Is it worth the three hundred and thirty dollar price for possibly it going from like three thirty? Like, how big of a jump do you think it's gonna gonna make? Because that's that's the question you got to ask yourself if you're looking at these players in terms of investments versus like. Maybe I should just buy the PSA nine at sixty eight dollars and keep it for my own personal collection. Like, do I need yeah. a three hundred and thirty dollar PC card? I that's actually a good point. Do I think the so in terms of percentage increase, do I think the PSA nine will go up more than the ten? I think yes, actually. <clears throat> I think I'd rather buy the cheaper nine now and sell it when the announcement gets made versus buying the ten at three thirty. And selling it, I really, this is maybe wrong and stupid, but I feel like that card could go up to 450 maybe 500 wow. when they make the announcement. Because how many, I don't even, I don't know this off the top of my head, but these freaking writers are stubborn as hell. I don't think there are that many first ballot Hall of Famers, and oh. they do that on purpose. Beltre is going to, Beltre should be one. So I think that that's going to be a big uh, push in the media. They're going to be like, look at this. Adrian Beltre, you got to witness one of the best third basemen ever. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That media coverage and hype, I think, is going to get that card pretty pretty good boost. But what do you think about it? Which one would you rather buy and, and why? Me personally, I would much rather buy the 9 just because it's at the cheaper price. And because if I'm buying it and, and thinking that, okay, I hope that I buy this card now at $68 and by the time he gets inducted maybe it's $120 and I can you know sell it for double what I paid for it or something. Nice. However, if it doesn't go up the way I I think it is and maybe it goes slightly down or whatever, right. hey, I have an Adrian Beltre uh, Beltre rookie card for my personal collection and I'm completely fine with that. So it's like buying into these players because I think that they're going to be Hall of Famers. And maybe that will boost their markets. If it doesn't end up working out, they're still one of my like favorite players, or they're still a player that I was amazed watching that mm -hmm. I am perfectly fine with keeping for my own personal collection. Hell yeah. All right. Completely agree. So um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of like other examples that I can relate it to. But yeah, perfectly said. Even if uh, even if it doesn't go up, I'm still happy that I have the card in my collection. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So we can we can end it on um, one more player. Well, if you or two players, if you have one in mind, is there any the same sleeper? Okay. Well, <laughs> ho hopefully that'll be pretty cool. Is there anybody else first ballot? So first time on on the ballot. Is there any other player on this uh, on this first you know go around that you think ha could make a strong um, argument? for getting into Cooperstown that a lot of these analysts are not talking about. So I don't know if, I really don't know if the analysts are talking about it. And it's also, we're kind of, for everybody who's listening, this is proof that Jason and I don't, we just, we get on this podcast just to talk to each other. We don't talk about what we're going to talk about. We don't talk about who we're going to talk about. We're trying to surprise each other with who our sleeper pick is. But I wrote down two of them. I wrote down David Wright. And I wrote down Matt Holiday. Mm. I wrote down Matt Holiday too. Hell yeah. Okay. 
you could go because I know you probably have a lot more written down than I do. But I think Matt Holiday is a very, very sneaky pick. Yeah. Uh, so I think David Wright, again, I think David Wright is very similar to Chase Utley. I think they were on the project on that like trajectory of being Hall of Famers. And then obviously with David Wright, the injuries just hindered his his career. David Wright was on the verge of being a legend of the sport. Yeah. Or, or being considered a legend, getting enshrined into Cooperstown. However, the injuries really plagued him, and I just don't think it's going to happen. However, again, I'm with you. I think Matt Holiday is very sneaky. Mm-hmm. I, and I think he's not getting enough credit on this ballot uh, only because I think it's his career war. I think his career war is up pretty low. And yep. I think that's why a lot of people are probably overlooking at him. Again, he's got that Colorado Rockies curse. Yeah. <clears throat> but so for Matt Holiday, he was a seven time All Star, 2011 World Series winner, four time Silver Slugger. He won a batting title and he was the NLCS MVP. Not, not to mention, he was a Cub killer. I yeah. hated Matt Holiday. Me too. I hate his When guts. he was on St. Louis, I hated Matt Holiday. Now I have respect for Matt Holiday because he's done with his his careers over. But when he played for St. Louis, I despised Matt Holiday because he just wrecked us all the time. Yep. So he played 15 years in the bigs. His uh, batting average is a 299. His on base 379, slugging 510. Yep. So a lot higher than I was expecting. His OPS is an 889. He had 2,096 hits, 316 home runs, 468 doubles, and his yeah, and his career WAR was a 44.5. So I think he's. I think what's going to hinder his chances is that career WAR. So defensive games as a left fielder, he was sitting at 1,711, which puts him puts him at 13th all time. Yeah. The average Hall of Fame uh, war for a left, uh, I almost said lefty, for a left fielder is 65.1. Matt Holiday sits at 44.5. So that's where I think it's it's going to be tough for him to get in. I, I, Me personally, I hope he's not a one and done. I don't think he will be. He'll, he might get maybe like 10% or he might even maybe fall like kind of, I guess, where maybe like Torrey Hunter is, you know. Torrey Hunter, yeah. I think, got like 6% or something. It kept him in there. If you get under 5%, you're automatically done. Yeah. Um, however, did you look at his 2007 season when he was runner-up in MVP? No, in in my not. opinion, because I brought this up to the uh, group chat, and Eric said because, okay, in 2007, Jimmy Rollins won the MVP. And mm. I was looking at it, I was comparing it, and I was going, what, where were, what were they thinking here? <laughs> But Eric was like, oh, it was probably defensively. But even then, you you weighed defensive numbers like that much higher than offensive numbers, which is odd to me at that time, you know. So in 2007 for Matt Holiday, he batted a 340. Nice. He had an on base of 405, slugged 607. His OPS was uh, 1.012. He had 216 hits, 50 doubles. 36 home runs, 
137 RBIs, and 386 total bases. Wow. Yeah. However, he did play at Colorado. That was that was yeah. when he was still playing at Colorado. And like we said, it's that Colorado curse that, you know, your numbers are inflated when you play at Coors. Mm-hmm. However, 216, 50 doubles. He led, he led the majors, I believe, in doubles, I think hits, and total bases. Oh, and I think R- I think uh, RBIs as well. He led the National League in National those League, I'm sorry, three. National League. But yeah. he led all majors in total bases. Yeah, 386. That's awesome. Yeah. So he he is my sleeper, and his card park uh, – his card – jeez, I cannot talk today. His card market – Jason's ref- drunk. Yep. <laughs> his card market reflects the fact that nobody's talking about him. Dang. Because uh, – on, and because there's like really no uh, cards that we're selling. However, this is a good thing. So I'll, I'll read this one off first. It, uh, his 1999 Bowman rookie PSA 10 on September 5th sold for $11.50. What? Yeah. Really? That, PSA yeah. 10? PSA 10, just his regular Bowman rookie card uh, from 1999, $11.50. Okay, wait a minute. And then he had a uh, 1999 Bowman Chrome rookie PSA 10 sell on October 21st for $50. And that was not an auction. That was a uh, best offer accepted. Wow. Yo. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I'm looking at this stuff and now I'm, I don't know. I feel like Holiday is going to get more than 5%. Oh, I think so. I think so. So, um, on baseball reference, they have what's uh, called like the Hall of Fame monitor, the Bill James Hall of Fame monitor. And in terms of first ballot people on the list, he's second behind Beltre. I don't really? know. like, Yeah. So he is. So based on what I'm reading, it's a rough scale with over 100, meaning likely you'll get in under 100, less likely you'll get in. And Beltre is 163, <laughs> and then Holiday is 110. Wow. Mauer is a 92. Utley is a 94. Is this, so they got, is this just for this year or in general? Uh, so, uh, good question. I don't know about that, but Jesus. Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez. Alex Rodriguez's Hall of Fame monitor, 390. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, and Manny's is 226. But he's got a higher monitor than Billy Wagner and Andrew Jones. Wow. Billy, Billy is 107, Andrew Jones is 109, Matt Holiday is 110. And in terms of everybody's first year eligibility, he's number one in OPS. He's at 889. He's got a higher OPS than Utley, Maurer, Beltre, David Wright, even Torrey Hunter. His OPS at 889 is really, really impressive, man. And he's he's second on well, except for the newcomers, I think he's what second in uh, career average to, uh, yeah. to Maurer. Yeah, correct. Yep, second at 299 OPS plus. He's holy it was God. high. It was high. Yeah, 132. I I yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Helton's is 133. Yeah. Well, they <laughs> were they were teammates. Yeah, I know. I'm now. I gotta buy some Matt Holiday cards. I spent gotta... eleven dollars. Sure. Yeah, are you kidding me? I didn't know. I what think Eric's. Heck? I think Eric's gonna be mad. Yeah, he'll be pissed. 
bunch of he's gonna call us cardinal fans yep. blah 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 but yeah man all that crap i when i was looking at it i'm like matt holiday's very sneaky yeah ben perfectly said jason i hated his guts when he played but as a baseball fan i respected the hell out of how he played yeah. very very 100 percent every time hustle like do crazy stuff to make sure the team wins and now and his son is the number one baseball prospect his son's plural. Jackson's number one in MLB, but his other son, who's in high school, I think, is like the top recruit for wow. the nation. So everybody needs to – I wasn't joking about this. I, I want to get in touch with Matt Holiday in case I ever have children. I want to know what he's, <laughs> what he's doing to train his sons in baseball. Well, Matt, when you listen to this episode, <laughs> yeah. join us on the Jelly Card Podcast. Yeah. All of our MLB connections. We know you know Matt Holiday. So forward the podcast to Matt and then get back to us yeah, so we can you. hook up and talk baseball. Because, yeah. yeah, you're. I love that you picked him too because I was looking at this stuff as well. And he's sneaky good. And he only – how many years did he play in Colorado? Like five? Maybe. Yeah, he, yeah, majority of his years I think came – I think he, he had – I think he went to Oakland for one season prior to going to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, it was Colorado. He played one season in Oakland, which I think his season in Oakland was still good too. Um, and then, yeah, and then he went to the Cardinals and I uh, was just, I hated him. Me too. Yeah, he's he's a good player. He's He's got potential. But I think yeah. we agree that Beltre is going to be the only one on the ballot who's going to get in. Well, we can end uh, real quick if you want to talk about David Wright and why you think David Wright could be deserving of the Hall of Fame. So the reason that I wrote down right is because of kind of what you were talking about when it came to influence in the sport and just kind of how, um, I don't know, just their overall greatness when, when they were players, when they were playing. So the reason I wrote down right is because from 2004 to 2013, which is like about oh, 10 years of playing, he was an all-star seven times. So in 10 years of baseball, David Wright was an all-star and he played third base for the Mets. He was Captain America for Team USA. And every time I thought about, like, again, tying it back to uh, fantasy baseball, when it came to third baseman, it was always either Beltre or David Wright. Those are my picks. And I just, looking back and thinking about the player that he was, I thought he was a great third baseman. And when I was a young kid, like you, Jason, I always thought to myself, this guy's a Hall of Famer. This guy's a great player. He's a Hall of Famer. His career, he's got, I think, like 1,800 hits, 17-something. 17 yeah, 1777. He's got 1777 hits. Average of 296, on base 376, slugged 491, OPS 867. His OPS plus, Jason, is 133. Wow. Exactly the same as Todd Helton's. So, again, I... I'm a big David Wright supporter. How many always, how many years did David Wright play though? Um, good question. I'll count them. <laughs> Where are you looking at? Thirteen. Baseball Reference. Okay. Thirteen See, years. So I think that's what's gonna that would hurt him. Oh, I'm sorry. Fourteen. He came. Oh, he came back for. Oh yeah, thirteen. For for some reason, for 2016 was his quote unquote last year, and then 2018 he signed with the Mets for two games. Yeah, so I think he's just going to be uh, – he won't make it in, unfortunately. I really 
if but so here's the difference between David Wright and Scott Rowland. Again, no offense to Scott Rowland, but if David Wright got in, I would be less upset with that decision than I am with the Scott Rowland decision. I don't know how you how you feel about that. Um, we're just going to get labeled Rowland haters, but when I think back to players that I grew up watching and thinking, "Dang, these guys are really good," and I I hate when we play them, I think, or I just I know with my eye test that they're great players. I think I put David Wright above Scott Rowland in my third base voting. And that's probably going to piss off a bunch of Cardinals fans and Reds fans, but that's just how I feel. But yeah, that's, that's all I was really looking at. I didn't look at his card prices sadly, but now that this episode is going to be ending, I will. Cause now I want Matt holiday and David Wright. Oh cards. yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks a lot. And but, Todd Helton. Oh yeah, absolutely. How do you feel about David Wright? Did you even look at his stuff or no? No, I saw that he was okay. on the ballot. You know, I like I said, he was great when he was playing, but I know he did not play uh, that long, or at least as long as some of these other players. And he had a, a you know a lot of injuries that kind of kept him off the field. So again, I I would chalk him up in that hall of really great. But yeah. he 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 to me he's like Justin Morneau. Okay. Two amazing players who, if if it wasn't for these injuries would have been one of the best players at their positions. Like, in my opinion, I really hate what happened to Justin Morneau. I'm a big Justin Morneau fan. If you look at his stats from when he was healthy playing for Minnesota with Joe Maurer, unreal. Justin Morneau was so good. But he had all those concussions, and then he had to stop. Yep. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, he's fall. David Wright to me is just going to fall into that, you know, unfortunate. You played great while you were playing, but to make the argument to put you into Cooperstown, it's just not, we can't do it. Yeah. So, How do we, where did you find the, I'm trying to find the, like the seven year, like best seven year war or whatever. So if you look at, if you look at the hall of uh, the um, war, like if you're on baseball reference and you look at the, um, I can't, I forgot what the tab is. I think it's the Hall of Fame monitor. Oh, okay. All and right, then it says on. it, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Because I'm looking at stuff here now. We, we were rambling way too long. But from 2006 to 2008, three years in a row, his average for three years was 312, on base 396, slugging 537, mm-hmm. OPS 933, OPS plus 142. So he had a really insane stretch. He made it all-star game five years in a row from 06 to 10. But I'm trying to find his best seven-year thing because it's. I believe that really 06 year was that the was that the derby that was played at Pitt. And <laughs> Only I think you that would was know when, that. Jason. And I think that I think that's when he hit like 16. Maybe I, he had he had a great first round. I think he oh, yeah. hit like almost 20. He had like plus 16 plus for sure. He was cranking them at at uh, PNC. That's awesome. Yeah, and I am the I home think, run derby guy. You are the home run derby guy. 07 was his best year. He had uh, 160 games played, 30 homers, 107 RBIs, 42 doubles. Look at I had I did not remember this at all, but um, stolen bases 34. Wow, I didn't realize he was a stolen base guy. Me neither. That's like the only. Ah oh, man, talking okay. about home run derbies in 07. Matt Holiday was in that one. Oh boy, <laughs> and that was played at. Uh, in uh, San Francisco, and Vladimir Guerrero won it. 
this guy. Just going to rattle off home run derbies. Yeah, he, uh, he beat out Alex Rios. Oh, my God. Three All to right. two. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. In the final round, three to two. That's not good for my, uh, my argument for when yeah. I go to the table with the MLB owners. <laughs> But all right, we're done. What yeah. what else do you have? Final that's, thoughts? That's it. Yeah, that's it. Final thoughts. Um, like I said, Todd Halton, Billy Wagner, Adrian Beltre, for me, should get in. Joe Maurer, in my opinion, should be a first ballot, but I don't think it's going to happen. Chase Utley, I don't think should get in. However, my sleeper, Matt Holiday. Okay. All right, right on. So, yeah, I thank you, everybody, for listening in. We – uh like Jason said, this is a very exciting time for Jelly Carts because we are big, big time baseball lovers and baseball fans. And Jason is a little bit giddy when it comes to the Hall of Fame voting. So we wanted to talk about Hall of Fame voting because as we started this episode off with, it's a time in the hobby where you have to decide, are you buying, are you selling, or are you holding these cards? And hopefully you can relate to what we talked about. It gets a little bit twisted. It gets a little bit uh, kind of touchy. It depends on who you ask and how they're going to respond. The collector in me, I want to buy these cards and or hold them because I want to PC them and keep them in my personal connect collection because I love collecting Hall of Fame rookie cards of baseball players. But you could take advantage of this time as a seller, in our opinion, to sell some of these cards because the hype and the media coverage that they're going to get suddenly starts influencing their cards market. So if you're a baseball card collector or investor out there, please reach out. Let us know what you think, especially if you are a collector and you have a bunch of Hall of Fame rookie cards. I would love to see them and just kind of shoot the poop, as we say, shoot the breeze and talk about baseball cards. We are at Jelly Cards on Instagram, J-E-L-I-C-A-R-D-S, and Twitter as well. On TikTok, we are Jelly underscore cards and let please weigh in let us know your thoughts are you as excited as we are about the baseball hall of fame is there anybody that we missed that you think will get a good chunk of votes or may may even be a first ballot hall of famer with beltre uh let us know so thank you all so much for listening uh hope we have an amazing weekend an amazing week ahead and as always keep spreading the love of this hobby from your friends at jelly carts